With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Thank you very much for listening to the June podcast series. Day 8, Preparing for an Investigation. In the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs under Prong 7, Confidential Reporting and Investigation, it asks the following. Under the general category, Properly Scoped Investigation by Qualified Personnel, how has the company ensured that investigations have been properly scoped and were independent, objective, and appropriately conducted and properly documented. These questions were clearly presaged by the Department of Justice's Yates memo released in September 2015 and the Department's Foreign Corrupt Practices Act pilot program announced in April 2016. The pressure on every chief compliance officer and indeed every company to get an investigation done more quickly, efficiently, and more importantly, done right is even greater now. Every CCO must be cognizant of the strictures laid out in the evaluation. It all begins with who in-house is looking at the complaint and does the CCO, compliance practitioner, or legal team have the skills and capabilities to handle the matter which has arisen. Obviously, if there are esoteric accounting issues or significant internal control workarounds and overrides, a CCO may not have these skills to really understand all of the issues. Similarly, if the matter is a global FCPA or equivalent bribery and corruption matter, you may not have the skills or capabilities to do an investigation that would take place in Russia or China or you name the country. 
All of this ties into how the government will view an investigation, particularly if a company does not have the skills and capabilities necessarily necessary to analyze the allegation or if the allegation is serious enough where <clears throat> they believe an independent investigation rather than an internal investigation really needs to be done. Moreover, if the allegations or the investigation are going to be subject to regulatory scrutiny, one of the benefits of having an outside independent investigation is that simply the independence. There's also the skepticism and there's the ability to work through things unlike you would with an internal investigation, <clears throat> which might be the company's internal audit team. You have an outsider's perspective looking in and there's more credibility of having someone come to your investigation. The thing that any investigator must do is understand the business environment and the extended business enterprise. You must understand the business you're dealing with and the industry it's in, the potential risk, the pressures and the motivations that may be at play. Understanding that generally <clears throat> there is some pressure to do something because of something else and there are some motivations here. What are they? Such an under initial understanding can help you formulate a comprehensive set of internal controls that might be placed in place or indeed were lacking or that were not properly designed or indeed even worse were overridden. The next step is to quickly and thoroughly analyze the underlying facts and circumstances when it comes to the issues at hand. Number one issue is the credibility of the complainant. This is more than simply looking at the complainant. You should ask, <clears throat> it's important to know rather, how the allegations of wrongdoing came to light and the seriousness of the issues involved. You should ask such questions as, what are people saying or what is the individual saying that happened? Uh, you know the background of the complaint or sh you should know the background of the complainant if it's known. How long have they been with the organization? Are they credible? Have they complained before? Was this a whistleblower or a tip? These are some of the questions you need to consider. At this early assessment, you should also consider the possible legal and financial impact of the allegations. If you determine it is serious at this early juncture, you can always consider your internal, internal crisis management team, and if your organization does not have one, I would certainly suggest you consider retaining such an expert. Crisis management does not necessarily mean a crisis has happened. It means that if, in fact, you are in crisis mode, you can consider how it impacts the company and what your response is going to be. Many organizations don't have an appropriate crisis management plan, so if something goes bad, organizations are kind of struggling ad hoc and on the fly, putting the pieces together. Both communications and collaboration are critical, even at this early stage. You should ask a series of questions about what issues are on the table and who is impacted by them. Is it the company's auditors or some other corporate function? Have you considered third parties and contracted in entities in the calculus by inquiring if they were key suppliers or are key suppliers and are going to be impacted by this investigation? A key supplier might get wind of this and may not want to do business with you anymore. Conversely, a key supplier could be a sole source supplier, so you may need to think about alternative arrangements. You should begin to consider these issues early on and can continue to think about them as you're going through and doing your investigation. Document preservation is always a critical issue and one which government regulators will pay a 
particular attention to both at this initial phase and throughout the investigation. You need to take steps to ensure that all data is locked down. This means getting up into the weeds on such issues as where your company's servers are located, what's your backup situation, do you have handheld devices secured, are the organization's instant and text messages tied down. If you do not take such steps, you may well find yourself in a situation where information is lost or there's a possibility or suspicion that the information is lost. Unfortunately, that's a situation that leads to prosecutors' imaginations going wild. Basically, you need to have the information locked down so that if the government wants to come in and perform an independent test, test your hypothesis or even pressure test part of your investigation, you can provide them that information. The next step is to collect the documents forensically and use the information gleaned from the steps to do lay of the land interviews where you try to get enough information to basically understand the situation. Who are the key players? Who may be involved in the incident? You can also garner quite a bit of information working with your client before the actual interviews begin. Look at organizational charts, see the number of employees who could have touched the transaction at issue, and the countries involved. Also review the company's financial accounting systems. It is critical so you can assess how much may have to be done manually, how much in country. And here you need no think no further than Avon, where basically the entire world's of the company's financial statements had to be reviewed manually. So what are today's three key takeaways? First of all, always remember your ultimate audience, the government. Now, in any internal investigation, you're going to have multiple audiences. You're going to have the person that you're reporting directly to. That could be senior management. That could be the general counsel. That could be the chief compliance officer. could be the board of directors. But always remember that it's, if not likely, it's certainly a possibility the government is going to see your report, so you should plan accordingly. Two, you must understand the business environment and the extended business enterprise. If you don't understand the business environment that the company is operating in, you really have little chance of getting this done correctly. And three, communication and collaboration are critical. Think about bringing in such disparate groups as a crisis management team if it warrants it at this early juncture. If you don't have the planning and communications lines open when something askance arises, uh, you may be scrambling to f- try to fill it. So this is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today on preparing for an investigation, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for the investigation team. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only one-month podcast series to a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for one month to better investigations and reporting. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.